Nuclear. Now is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Okay, today we are going to do something way out of left field for us, something I never thought we'd really be doing. We got an email from a listener a little while back wondering if we had ever talked about the portmanteau. And I'm not exactly sure why this person came to us for luggage advice, but I'm always willing to uh, help our listeners out with whatever we can. It's also a very specific kind of luggage. I don't really understand why we were the ones they came to. But no matter, Kathy and Ross, I'm sure have opinions about this. Um, Do either either of you want to start with maybe your favorite brand? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Samsonite makes portmanteaus, do they, Ross? Yes, that was a very interesting intro indeed. A portmanteau is technically a large trunk or suitcase, typically made of stiff leather and opening into two, two equal parts, which leads us to the portmanteau as a linguistic phenomenon. It's basically <laughs> um, a blend of wor- of two words or parts of two words. Uh, like houseboat is not a portmanteau because those are two distinct words, but other words where you kind of knock off part and knock off another part and smoosh them together are technically called portmanteaus. The famous originator is none other than a famous round person called Humpty Dumpty, who appeared in uh, Through the Looking Glass with um, by Lewis Carroll. And the first portmanteau that was mentioned that's in common parlance is slithy, which is a combination of lithe and slimy. And it's smooshed together, and we get a new word, slithy. Well, actually, we don't use slithy, though. I mean, I mean I've mean, i never used it. I think the only time I've ever used it was when I was reciting Jabberwocky. I recite Jabberwocky all the time, so I do use it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Fletcher? Do, do you refer to things as slithy? <laughs> I will say all of this is making a lot more sense now. <laughs> And then there's knapsack, the other linguistic term. No. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So, yeah. um, No, of course, I don't don't ever use slithy at all. But I had had heard that Humpty Dumpty uh, was the one who who came up with this. Tell us a little more about that. Okay. um, It's in Through the Looking Glass. And um, Humpty Dumpty recites, uh, or does she recite it? She She hears Jabberwocky. That was it. And um, Humpty Dumpty explains it to her. He's, he's explaining the made-up words. And he says, for instance, slithy means lithe and slimy. Lithe is the same as active. And he said, you see, it's like a portmanteau. There are two meanings packed up into one word. And that was the first time, as, as we'd said before, a portmanteau was a suitcase that opened into two different sections. A porter, it came from French, right, Ross? You know the French better a than I. A portmanteau, actually, the word portmanteau is actually also a portmanteau comes from the French verb porter, P-O-R-T-E-R, uh, which means to carry, and manteau, which means uh, a mantle or a cloak. And in effect, a portmanteau, you can organize your clothes while you're traveling. That sounds nice. Yeah, it does, actually. Sort of like packing cubes, <laughs> but, but different. But anyway, but in the word sense, so, so Humpty Dumpty explained that, that was a portmanteau. And interestingly, um, 
there, you know, Ross had said slithy, and obviously that's the one Humpty Dumpty uses to explain a portmanteau. But some of the words that were in Jabberwocky as portmanteaus are actually, are used. Um, chortle. Chortle. Chortle came from Jabberwocky. Really? Yeah. And we don't think of that. We think of chortle as just, you know, you chortle. But chortle, is, it's a combo of um, chuckling and snorting. And we do use chortle regularly now. There's, it was interesting, as Cap and I were doing a little bit of research on this, because we were not up to speed on portmanteaus. And we're going to go through a number of them right now. But there's some that are, it's always the case with English or with any language. When you go backwards, is it really a portmanteau? Or did it come from a different, a completely different uh, background than we now ex post facto go, oh, it's a portmanteau. But why don't we start with one and let's ask, let's see if Fletcher can figure out the words with smushed together. Can I just, before we do that, I just want to do one that I had found that is a really early example of a portmanteau before they were called portmanteaus. That's philosophy. <laughs> Isn't that great? I it love means it. foolish thinking. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> I think that we should bring it back. <laughs> I like it. I think it's really good. Now to the testing of Fletcher. <laughs> I did not know this was a portmanteau. I should have guessed it, um, but I didn't. And Kathy should have guessed it, but she didn't. Um, vitamin. Right, vitamin. Uh, well, vita has something to do with life, I'm sure. Um, Perfect. Uh, um, and, and min, mean. Uh, no, I don't I don't know what the, the M-I-N-E part is from. Obviously, that's the vita isn't hard, uh, I don't think. That's but, good, but though, Fletcher. You're, you're very close. It actually comes from vita, which is life in Latin, and amine which is a okay. uh, chemical, um, uh, I think it's, d- it's a derivative of ammonia with a bunch of hydrogen atoms substituted with alkyl groups, as if I remember correctly. And so therefore it became vitamine and then the E was dropped at the end. So it's very good. And it was the word, and when was it created, Kathy? Do you know when it was first came into being, vitamin? Um, I think it was in the early 1900s. It's pretty It's pretty old, actually. I mean, because I always think of vitamins as sort of a function of, for some reason, I picture them in like the 30s and 40s coming out with like, you know, Kellogg's and, s- and cereals and stuff. But it was more early, t- um, early 1900s. Well, that's a good one, Fletcher. You got it. Okay, next one, Kathy will recite. This one is probably easier. Okay, the portmanteau is bionic. Um, I guess bionic. Something like a combination of biology and electronic. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Very, whoa. We're batting a thousand here, baby. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, the word in that sense um, with the electronic uh, came from, started, I think, in the, uh, 1963. And it got really popular in 76 with a $6 million man. You're by And the bionic woman, his mate. <laughs> I was like, I love that. But it was actually a real term. Bionic was initially a, a term not in the biology plus electronic sense in 1901. It was uh, used in uh, studying fossils. Oh, and what did it mean? It means uh, the quality of an organism that repeats its characteristics in successive generations. And it came from the Greek bios. Oh, I'm reading it now. Here's the, This is the... the uh... OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, has only one usage of this in paleontology. The enduring, mm-hmm. as Kathy said, the enduring power of organisms expressed by repetition of like characters in successive fossil forms is the time quality which we must look into. Okay, thank you. The bionic quality of an <laughs> organism may thus be defined as its quality of continuing and repeating in successive generations 
the same morphologic characters. I think we're talking about a very rare, rare, rare usage. No, I'm going back to like your six million dollar man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. a lot. Yeah. Although interestingly, we used it for biology with electronics. Obviously, the Bionic Man had all those bionic, you know, parts. But now it's been used. Now it's like it's sort of it's sort of uh, spread a little. I think to just mean you know like super fabulously gifted or, or or you know what I mean it becomes sort of more like fabulous in that sense like you don't necessarily need the electronics I, I, that's a casual use though I would never go like boy that teacher is bionic I mean you don't <laughs> I refer to you as my bionic brother <laughs> I, I mean I, I really don't. I think I hear that's a lie I know it's... okay Fletcher this was an easy one electrocute um electric and, and execute yes it's an okay, American yeah. innovation to execute by electricity. It oh, comes from yeah. 1889. God it bless was first America. used <laughs> in 1890 in New York State. Was this one of those? Uh, was this one of those Edison versus uh, Tesla things where 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 they were trying to make it seem like everybody was electrocuting everybody to death because they were fighting over which kind of current to use? Oh, you mean the DC versus? Uh... Yeah, the AC. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, this was I, I actually from the electric used. chair. I think it was more oh, used to kill someone. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little more depressing. <laughs> yeah, it was I think used. So. Uh, it was. It was uh, a guy was convicted of murder of his common law wife, um, and he was uh, used to be killed humanely. The humane alternative to hanging was the electric chair. So uh, that thus entered electrocute. Yeah. And in terms of accidental death, like, you know, just by, by mistake, you touched electricity, um, the non-execution part, just the dying from electricity, um, came into being, I think, about 10 years later. So it was still pretty uh, pretty old, too. So they're roughly the same time. Yeah, I guess I never thought uh, that it, about that being actually rooted in, in death, murder. It's interesting, mm -hmm. though, because it does, I mean, the back, the later electrocute, being electrocuted, obviously you're not executed, but it's... It's funny that how that how the word the meaning changed. The smush together execute got a sort of a different meaning than the original. Yeah. Okay, the next one now here's a weird one. Meld, M E L D. No one is sure if this is a smushy or not, but Yeah. Um I can think that possibly the M comes from mix. Um Eld, no, I don't know. And I'm guessing the mix is wrong as well. Um this one it, it sounds it's it's actually melt. This is a suggestion. Now, we're not positive about this. The OED thinks it could be a blend of melt and of weld. Yeah. Uh, W-E-L-D. So you've got like the heat feeling with the welding and the melting, so the blending that way. Yeah, I was about to say mix and weld, I think. Yeah. But uh, this is, again, an example of like, is it a portmanteau or not? Because some sources say that actually, no, it's... Um, it comes from the dialect word mel, which meant to mingle and mix. So it's the, just the past um, tense of that. So this is one where there's a few that are like that. Like some some sources say, yes, they're portmanteaus. Others don't. Yeah. And, you know, when you guys mentioned that before, what I wanted to say is that um, we might like retcon those words so that they we, we turn them into portmanteaus when they never were. Are you guys familiar with this term retcon? No. So it, it itself, I guess, is a portmanteau. Uh, it, it means retroactive continuity. And wow. it's, something, ah. it's something where, like, uh, if you have a character who's appeared in a, uh, a TV show or a story before, um, you, you kind of change who that character was in the past to meet some 
change that doesn't need in the current yeah, in the current right. iteration. Yeah, so, I, that's something about them now isn't consistent with something before, so you you change that retroactively. I love that word. I'm going to be using it all the time. It defines language. It's perfect. It does because we've talked about that with back formations and we have a few times so that it, it's but it's retcon sounds a lot cooler than <laughs> yeah, back it formation. does doesn't it, doesn't it? it? <laughs> actually and we're right we're right at a ret, probable retcon right off the bat we have another word here which we initially thought was a, a portmanteau intercom a lot of times people say it comes from internal communication because it makes sense it's a loudspeaker you know system that sends uh you know audio messages to various people so internal communication inter knock off the nal com knock off the rest of that and you've got a true portmanteau however and kathy can go to our etymological discovery um you you have uh the anglo-latin back in the mid 15th century um of the word uh intercom meaning inter I can't pronounce the Latin, Ross. I, I always need you for this. Intercommunicationem. Yeah, <laughs> communicationem. But they were talking about basically, discuss I presume they didn't have electronics then, so they were talking about discussion then. And then retconning it, they went backwards now, so we see it all over the place as a um, portmanteau when it's not. Huh. This is interesting. However, there is a portmanteau that everyone hates. Everyone in English hates it, <laughs> but it's a portmanteau called irregardless. Oh, wow. <laughs> so is that is that irrespective and regardless? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because it never occurred to me, but of course that's a portmanteau. Yep. Because I just always assumed the er is the er or whatever. But yeah, it's been around since the 19th century. It's, quote, non-standard, unquote, but it's definitely a portmanteau. I feel a little better about it, actually, knowing that it's a portmanteau. I mean, its meaning isn't really any sort of mixture. It just means regardless. It sort of just took on the meaning of one of its two words. But but I don't know. I, I feel a little uh, slightly more warm toward it, knowing that. Yeah, I agree with it. Well, in a funny way, to me, knowing that there's irrespective in there does color it. It's not completely regardless now to me. Do you know what I mean? Because it's sort of you're sort of adding an extra layer of it's it's completely... It's, it's not respect. It doesn't apply at all. Do you know what I mean? Well, speaking of, quote, incorrect uh, portmanteaus, I'm not going to refudiate Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot refudiate. Uh, yeah, I forgot Although that, that Now, too. wait a second. That's not a portmanteau, though, because there's no few. What, what that was repudiate. That was repudiate plus, okay, wait a second, because it was Sarah Palin. Re refute, and it was, refute and repudiate. What? Yeah. It's refute and repudiate. Yeah, okay. It's a classic portmanteau. It is a portmanteau. It's a I portmanteau. <laughs> I'm going to hail, ready, a taxi cab. Whoa. What? Whoa. <laughs> oh. I, I, there's no, in fairness, there's no way you get it. I mean, okay. I wouldn't. It came from, Ross, you want to explain where this one came from? Well, it's really interesting because it, it, it's like sort of a word origin muggle here because it, it came originally the taxi part came from tax, 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 taximeter. How do you say taximeter? Which came from German taximeter. wouldn't you? Which came from cha charge reader. Taxa comes from a Latin root, which means tax. So in effect, the taxi part came from literally charging you. The cab part is shortened from cabriolet, which is the uh, from a Latin term capriol uh, capriolus, which meant wild goat, which then by a long process turned into um, 
<laughs> to cab. So we got like a real mess here. So it's a shortened. Wow. It's a shortened boggle of words here. But my favorite part I found in doing it is this is just so sad. A Londoner coined the term taxi cab and was ripped off by a New Yorker <laughs> who used it for his own company and thus ended the career of said Londoner, apparently. <laughs> That's right. More, more God bless America right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'll take a taxi cab, baby. <laughs> when was that? Around when did that happen, do you know? The Londoner came up with the term in um, 1907, possibly a little before that, but basically that was when the New Yorker uh, stole it. <laughs> so 1907. <laughs> Magnificent. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> okay, Fletcher, the one thing I'm curious about, do you know the origin of Adidas? Because there's a little story about trying to steal there too. Uh, Adidas, a, the the shoe the shoe company? Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's from a guy's name, I think. Uh, um, oh, shoot. I know that he had a company with a brother or uh, a relative, and they split off, and he changed and his, his new company. Yes. Dang it. But I, I can't remember. I can't remember the, the names that, that got smushed up. Your brain up. is a repository of a lot of trivia. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The, the name is a portmanteau. The company's founder was Adolf. Short, he had a shortened Adi Dossler. And um, he invented the uh, the special running shoe. He gave it, interestingly enough, during the uh, 1936 Olympics to uh, Jesse Owens, who did fabulously, you know, and ran and won all. Jesse Owens won all these, you know, all the um, medals, uh, four medals, I think. But he had a brother, Rudolph. So what we have right now, a really popular shoe called Adidas. He had a brother, Rudolph, who was a very pro-Nazi fellow. And he was convinced that Adi had um, turned him into the Americans. So Rudolph left the company and changed, decided he's going to do an, uh, sort of an acronym of Smoosh Up 2. And his company was called Ruda. I think we've all heard Adidas, but I don't think we've ever heard of Ruda running shoes for Rudolph Dassler. I just want to say, though, that we might not have heard of Rudas, but Rudy's company became Puma. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> One that fascinated me is, um, okay, this is a portmanteau which never occurred to me, is twerk. We know what twerking is, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, what do you think that's a, a portmanteau of? Um, I could come up with, like, twisting and jerking. Yep. Very good. Okay, now, when do you think twerking was invented the word twerk <laughs> wow <laughs> um yeah the word actually dates back to the 1800s but it was spelled with an i wow okay <laughs> but you know what got me the most about twerk because it was it was used it was with i all through the 90s and it suddenly changed and do we have any idea why it, the e took sort of got in there no we don't and I'm really curious why, because they say like, you know, in 1901, it took place. But a lot of but in like we found all these uh, newspaper references and they have uh, twerk from the 90s, IRK. Now, but certainly that didn't always refer to that very specific movement. No, you're shaking your butt like uh, what, Miley Cyrus? Yeah. No. <laughs> now, it started out and initially meant a twisting or jerking movement, a twitching. Um, and it, it was also sort of like twists and turns it was used, for example, um, to mean. It wasn't only moving. 
and it didn't get started uh, it was only started to use for the dancing in the 1990s up until then it was like twists and twerks sort of like a tortuous thing and then the twerk um, for dancing started in the 1990s the OED had it um, I think was the first thing was uh, in a New Orleans uh, Times Picayune thing about uh, the NBA dancer for the routine twerks up but it was still spelled with an I and now Ross have you been able to find Y and E as you were speaking I was checking I cannot find anything I'm just I mean we just brought it up right uh, together right now and I have not seen anything on yeah. it. Yeah. We might not know a why but do we know a when? Through the 90s it was apparently spelled with an i, but I'm going to do some more research on this. We can check it next time. I'm sorry, I just have to add I was looking it up and now Wikipedia whether we trust this or not says that a, a documentary film Twerkumentary traces twerking back to ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> ancient Greek dance of Kordax. Oh <laughs> Where Juvenal wrote that the girls, encouraged by applause, sink to the ground with, quote, tremulous buttocks. All right. I think that that's... <laughs> and there we have it, the birth of twerk. <laughs> like so many of our other classic arts came from ancient Greece. Yes. <laughs> We're proud, yeah. Ross and I, <laughs> Greek descendants. Well, let's go back to one, like a more technical one again, quickly. Um, Pixel. This was a surprise to us. Yeah, Pixel. Um, I know I've heard this. Let me think for just a moment. Shoot. Um, I think the PI comes from picture. Yep. It, it, this is very much your up your alley because it, it comes from uh, its films. R Variety Magazine, 1932, oh. called uh, the first time that was used, Pix, was from 1932 Variety Magazine. And it was referring at first only to basically, um, uh, it, it was referring to movies and then Pixel itself referred to televised images, and that came from Pix plus Element. Element. So Element. Like a, pic a pictorial element. Yes. And then it was picked up in the 1965 for uh, pictorial elements and video games, and then from there it exploded. Very good. Now we have the next one. Kath, you want to do Endorphin? Um. Yeah. <laughs> endorphin isn't as interesting to me, but endorphin. <laughs> I don't mean to like negatively. In fact, endorphin was, uh, you're not going to know where, what do you think it came from? You're not going to be able to get this one because it's it's a French word. Okay. Well, the, 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 the end part I can't get, um, but I'm imagining that the orphan part maybe had something to do with morphine. Yes. God, you're good. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly, it's from the French endogène, endogène, she said with a terrible French accent. And it was a chemical which occurs naturally in the brain and works like morphine. Oh, wow. So it's a, nat a natural brain morphine. Basically, yeah. It's huh. like those nice happy peptides that kick in. When do you think it was coined, roughly? Can you guess the um, general time that we first uh, mm. had endorphin coined? Uh, let's say... Um... 1850. No. Okay. You were doing very well, but unfortunately, <laughs> until, no. Until they're very off. <laughs> Where was it? <laughs> very off. 1975. Oh, that my gosh. really gets me. Yeah. That one really gets me. Oh, hey, guys. I'm going to interrupt here. This is one. I was just looking up endorphin on the thing. Do you know that Wikipedia, what what is a um, portmanteau of? Um, wick. Oh shoot! I was just looking uh, it up, and I just it just popped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wiki, I th isn't wiki like some Polynesian word or something? Wow, Fletcher, you're amazing. 
it's Hawaiian for hurry up, fast, quick. And then obviously yeah. smushes into that and we have Wikipedia. I did not know that. I'm going to just go off though. What fascinates me now is, okay, so we have Wikipedia as a, we'll go back to Endorphin in a few minutes, but we have Wikipedia as a portmanteau, but now you use Wiki by itself, the abbreviation, not in the Pedia way, but you know, a Wiki of this and then you have all those other Wikis, which fascinates me. So it's not really, a, I mean, it's, it's deportmented. It's <laughs> deportmanteau. Like, exactly. Kath's right. Yeah. It's just like the same thing it happens sort of with the just Watergate. The one little thing. Watergate initially was referred to a place that was the gate for water wherever, you know, the uh, hospital, I mean, the apartment building was built. But now we have gate, as, which has no real meaning in a lexical sense. We have to do everything now. You know, pizza gate, this gate, that gate. There's a portment, deportmentoed as well. That's an interesting yeah. word we just coined to the deportmentoization of words. <laughs> that is super cool. Is that a portmanteau? <laughs> this one I thought was interesting. It's another brand name is Velcro is a portmanteau. Okay. Uh, I would have thought it was just some made up word, uh, but no, you know, I, I, Okay, I, I can buy that. What what are the words it comes from? Velcro is a combination of velours and crochet. So it literally means hooked velvet. Oh, that's super cool. Isn't it? Because it's exactly what it is. It's a hook and loop, you know, that connect. And that's what Velcro is. And I, I thought like you, I thought it was sort of like one of those fake scientific sort of sounding names. I'm gonna, are you guys familiar? I'm gonna, with, we can end with the... Uh... A Jeopardy portmanteau, a Jeopardy portmanteau. Are you guys familiar with that category? No. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Jeopardy has a specific category uh, called Geo portmanteaus. And um, I'm going to give you guys a quick one. Here's the, here, the question. Uh, the answer is U.S. chief executive plus prosthetic teeth. Presidentures? Yes, Fletcher got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah, that that's Jeopardy right there. That's fun. Well, before we wrap up, um, I have a few for you guys, and you've probably already come across them, but it'll be fun to try them out anyway. Uh, one is extremely obvious and so close to home that maybe you thought it wasn't even worth bringing up. But uh, what we're doing right now, podcast. Yes iPod and broadcast. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and so I guess we're we're sort of buzz marketing Apple every single time we we even use the word podcast, which is a much more generic term now. Yeah, it's true. Uh, another one I really like just because, and it may not even be a portmanteau. It, uh, it there's I think there's some disagreement about that, but I just really like the word, and more importantly, I like how far back the word goes. Bodacious. Bodacious. We had that actually, didn't we, Kath? I don't remember, but I love the word bodacious. And I was, okay, so that would be um, audacious for the dacious. Yes. And what's the bow? The I, I uh, bold would be this, bold. I, this is going to sound horrible. I always thought of the porn film Bodacious Dot So I automatically <laughs> think of bosom. We saw <laughs> that. We, we saw that. They had the ad for the film we were walking on 42nd Street. Never years mind. Ago. No, it's bold, I think. Yeah, bold, bold and audacious. Uh, again, that's uh, at least according to Merriam-Webster, it's not it's not certain that it is actually a portmanteau, uh, but that's the idea. Maybe is that it's across a bold, bold and audacious. But um, better to me is how far back the word goes. Do you know when it first appeared? At least when it first appeared in print. Okay. Well, I ha I just looked it up as we were talking, so I do know. Okay. I'll keep oh, quiet. don't say because I have not looked it up. 
I have not looked it up, and I'm going to say Chaucerian. Oh, man, it's not that far. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> That's too bad. No, I got 1837. Is that correct, Fletcher, or not? Yeah, Mer- Merriam-Webster has 1832, but basically, you know, not, not um, whatever, 1980. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those words with, with the, that the surfer dudes use or that, that the mutant ninja turtles use or, or whatever, and... Uh, and no, it goes back to 1830s. Yes. I was thinking it could be like the cleric in the Canterbury Tales or something. Right. Referring to like the bodacious wife of Bath. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, um, the uh, the crayon Crayola. Do you know where that comes from? Crayola. That's crayon, uh, which is crayon well, in French. It up. That's not fair. Oh, no. Cray would be chalk, maybe. I have no idea what the Ola is. Cray is chalk or a stick of chalk, right? Right. Okay, that'd be the French, and then crayon became pencil and all that. Um, Ola. It's really hard. I don't know. Ola for oil? Like yeah. Oil yes. Yeah, got it. Yes. Oleaginous. Good. Ooh. Oleaginous. Bodaciously oleaginous. Yeah. According to Crayola themselves, uh, the the wife of the founder of the company coined the name comes from Cray and Ola from oleaginous. That's a cool one because I would not have thought of it. This is. I'm gonna throw one last one out a, a different way. Um, one thing apparently was an, we, we really should get more into it with companies trying to do uh, their own portmanteaus. And apparently, here's a failed portmanteau that just I think is terrible. Apparently, after Kellogg's cornflakes really took off, took off, a company tried to um, copy them with a cereal that they wanted a catchy name, a cornflake and catchy name, and they came out with cerealine. I think that's just Ew. awful. Oh wow! Yeah, well, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> no. Apparently, though, a lot of companies prefer um, they prefer to make portmanteaus because it gives you like a sort of feeling of something good and that you might uh, you know be, be, be attracted to the product more than just like a nutty name. Well, I think cuz both words mean something to the person. What I'm fascinated by is how many words I was just I was just thinking of the word hangry you hear all the time now and that had started in an advertise you get a lot of portmanteaus like neologisms that start in advertising or marketing. And then you see them enter the language as sort of like normal now like hangry has become I mean it's still like a slang word. But it, but it's no longer just the Snickers ad or whatever began in, you know. And you just see how much, and just just in general, the the spread. Yeah, I wonder if our uh, you mentioned, of course, that that we seem to be way more receptive to portmanteaus now, or maybe that that they're more than there have ever been. I, I'm guessing that's a big part of it is is advertising. Yeah, and we and then by advertising we get used to the idea, and yeah, so then exactly. we. It's also, they're also very good because they're very quick. Pizzagate tells you instantly what's going on with that. For better or for worse, mm-hmm. you know it instantly. You don't need to be explained. This is a conspiracy theory regarding the X, Y, or Z. You know, Z. So I think they're, they're quick. But there's some that just will never catch on. I mean, going back to fashion for me, because that's just what I'm fascinated by, like Merce, the male purse. I don't think, <laughs> and that's the kind of thing in mandals, men's sandals. I mean, there's some that you could just see them trying really hard. <laughs> it's like, I don't think either of you says, gosh, it's getting hot. I'm going <laughs> to grab my Merce and put on my mandals. <laughs> they, they all get, they get relegated to the cave of forgotten portmanteaus. <laughs> yes, I like I think, that. There is a place. <laughs> It's a a cursed place. (laughs) Yes, right.
This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.